Welcome to the Turfgrass Hotline. I'm Frank Rossi. The Turfgrass Hotline is brought to you by our partners at Trijack, the only machine that aerates top dresses in a men's all-in-one pass. Intelligrow, makers of Civitas, a fungicide that's so much more, and the Plant Food Company, developing professional nutrient management programs since 1946. A deep dive with Professor Lee Miller at the University of Missouri-Columbia helps us understand the complexity of managing stress, especially rooting issues. If you're trying to build roots this fall or put some chicken on the plate, as Lee will tell us, you better come Contact your local plant food company representative. The plant food company has been providing cost-effective solutions to your nutrient management needs that come from years of field and lab research conducted at universities throughout the United States. For more information, contact your local plant food representative or go to plantfoodcompany.com. Welcome back to the Turfgrass Hotline, Professor Lee Miller. Listen, I just loved your s- s- September newsletter, uh, especially whenever you start out with the St. Louis Blues being ousted from the brief uh, hockey playoffs. And, of course, the Cardinals have played the least amount of games as any team in the major leagues. You've had some crazy weather, Lee. It's been a crazy year. So it's not easy to consolidate recommendations, brother, when you got extreme wet and extreme dry within a couple of hundred miles. But for sure, we could start with rooting problems, black layer, localized dry spot. Let's start with the widespread rooting problems you've seen so far, Lee. Sure. And, you know, like you said, it it all kind of boils down to water. So it was very odd last week. uh, I had two samples in a row. I had one sample that I opened up that stunk to high heaven that was the black layer. And the very next sample I opened was localized dry spot. So that's very odd. And and I think that we kind of get lured into this thought of, well, when we have plentiful rains, and in our case, we, we've had some instances where it's been way too much. Two weeks ago, St. Louis got a deluge of five and a half to seven inches locally, some localized flooding, some widespread damage, particularly in some golf courses. So we think of that, we're like, oh, well, we've got enough water. In some cases, if the drainage is, is plugged up below, we're having too much water, we're a black layer. But when we normally see localized dry spot, honestly enough, is when we have these big variations in, in our precipitation. Mm-hmm. So we, we kind of have these big wet and dry periods. And as soon as that dry period hits, very much that hydrophobicity kind of sinks in. And it's a shock. We think that we have this big four or five inch rain, but really that kind of flushes everything through if our drainage is working well. Um, and then you get hydrophobicity set up and, and that really is a, is a problem. The other aspect of that too is, you know, we have a, what could be a flash drought. So if we have too much water, our roots are lower, you know, they're naturally going to be lower in this situation anyway, when we get into late August, but things really tend to cook very quickly um, in that respect. And and we're really managing a root system that's that's only about an inch deep um, in some respects. It's an inch deep in a wet soil with pythium root rot, and it's an inch deep in dry soil with summer patch or take-all, yes? Well, you know, not necessarily. Summer patch and take-all can be in root in uh in wet soils as well we've seen a lot of summer patch here in this region this year and that could be because we have had kind of this yin and yang or really big wet and dry cycle where some of those protections have been really taken out of the soil profile very quickly but i have seen a ton of summer patch in this area on creeping bent grass you know those mixed creeping bent grass and poanya but then also a lot on kentucky bluegrass sports fields 
where we're having some difficulty where we don't have the products, you know, particularly when we're we're looking at these sports fields that professional athletes are running on, they don't have the access to those cooler DMIs. Mm-hmm. Um, and when you're looking at a Kentucky bluegrass sports field that's mowed, you know, to a half an inch or less, and it's on a sand-based system, there's not a lot of difference between that and a golf course putting green. You know, obviously there's about four tenths of an inch, but that's really about it. And and that's a highly stressful situation. Um, there's already PGRs on that. And then to ask to use some of the DMIs that have plant growth regulating properties can really be an issue when we get into August. So Kentucky bluegrass fields on sand-based soils cut at a half an inch in the transition zone. Yeah. That, that have professional athletes on them. That's a difficult situation. And I've seen it in many, many instances so far. Okay, listen, let's come above ground for a second, just a little bit and talk about gray leaf spot. Cause you know, we have had a number of hurricanes here in the Northeast coming through tropical storms, much like the derechos. It's been a, a really crazy uh, and dramatic weather year this year which we know brought up a lot of gray leaf spot and we're all, you know, sort of waiting with bated breath. And, you know, people like your pal Lee Butler and Rich Buckley, uh, the other partners in crime here, you know, they're foaming at the mouth, ready for samples to start coming in. Where would you estimate gray leaf spot issues are right now in your area? We are seeing just a little bit of tickle now. You know, here we don't have perennial ryegrass. I call the quick and the dead in this uh, zone because it comes up in seven days and dies in two. So we really don't have that, but we do have a number of tall fescue varieties that are fairly susceptible. Um, And we're starting to just see the small smattering of it at our turf farm, just here and there. Um, I kind of wonder what might happen. You know, I think Laura might get a little bit close Mm -hmm. to us, at, at least in the Southern part of the state, but it's definitely there. It's definitely around. I'm seeing it on some crabgrass plants. So I would expect it to start hopping over and and hitting some tall fescue. And that's about the timing for us, late August, early September. Um, Unfortunately, right around that time where we have the the September, as you talked about, uh, with the four S's. And and really, we know that gray leaf spot hits those seedlings a, a little bit more prevalently than others. So... So is it pretty standard to have fungicide protection down when you have a significant amount of tall fescue rough or a tall fescue sports field or a high value lawn? Do you recommend a preventative program beginning now as you start? Yeah, to and it? at this point, you know, brown patch really still is rain supreme where that's concerned. So we don't get quite as much as gray leaf spot pressure as, as the Southeast does. But at this point, I, I am telling folks to think about starting to, to maybe move into thiophanic methyl when we get later on into the season. We know that thiophanic methyl along with azoxystrobin, which is really the one that uh, tends to take out the brown patch well enough, if we tank mix those two, we tend to get both those diseases. So things like sod farms, like you said, some of those high value reps, some of those areas for tall fescue, you know, at this point, you at least need to be aware that gray leaf spot is out there and be able to scout for it and identify it. Excellent. All right. Now let's uh, strolling nonchalantly down the sheath and into the crown of nitrogen stress turf rolls the great basal rod anthracnose, says Lee Miller in his turf disease report suggesting maybe bentgrass needs an extra bite of chicken and you elaborately describe uh, the nitrogen dynamics of the soil that you alluded to earlier in our conversation. 
Uh, where are you at with anthracnose? Because I can tell you, all the grass, uh, the little bit of grass I get to see is sucking wind pretty bad by August. Well, and that's true. So, I mean, you think about August, we already talked about how short the root system is. That plant just isn't functioning right. It's been through a marathon. It's tired. You're on your last mile, your last leg. Luckily, the days are getting shorter at this point. So we're having less of that heat stress period. But when we get to this end, and this is when I normally see it, and I, I don't really know if this dynamic is different than perhaps in the Northeast where you have much more poania. Um, but it seems like the bent grass here, when we get towards the end and we get that those couple of nights that are cool and the bent grass starts to kick in a little bit, that's when I tend to see the anthracnose really sink down and sink its teeth in. And the great work that the Rutgers family has done, the Inguijado and of course led by Bruce Clark and Joe Roberts and all of that group, when you think about it, they've really shown that nitrogen stress is, is a key component to all of this. So when we have a, a situation where we have a, a stressed out plant that all of a sudden gets some cool temperature and wants to get back on its feet, you know, if we're not supplying that nitrogen, that nitrogen isn't there, that's when the anthracnose is going to take over. We tend to kind of stay static in our spoon feeding regimen. And perhaps that's a time when we, we just need maybe a little bit tick more. And in this age, when we're talking about precision application, you know, we're looking at things like clipping volumes. We're looking at things like growth rates and, and being able to, to model and understand those dynamics a little bit better. You know, perhaps we can get into with all these, these new sprayers and GPS sprayers, just adding just a little bit more nitrogen and we might see uh, more of a prevention of this disease. Yeah, and I couldn't agree more. That's a pretty common mantra as well. Lee, you know, it's been a long season for these guys already, especially during the pandemic. And I, I think we do get in a routine sometimes of the way we sort of treat things and sort of keep things steady, you know, and balancing the growth regulators and the, and the nitrogen, you know, always seems used to be seem like an art. But let me just second your point about clipping volume and the value of knowing your growth rate. And, and really knowing that, okay, these plants are growing, uh, you know, a certain rate and they're going to experience a uh, good condition. I should see an increase in growth rate. If I don't, maybe I should goose it a little bit to get the growth there. So love that suggestion and want to wrap up with your, you know, it's not every day that you get to talk about a fit of phobia with a turf grass pathologist. <laughs> Lee. So I'd like you to talk for a little bit as we wrap up today uh, and people are at the end, and maybe some of the turf is failing. The uh, the why we're talking about September and how that relates to uh, ophidophobia, please. Well, you know, I, I use this quadruple S, and you know, I I looked up the acronym, and luckily it's nothing too bad. Spread seed in September with sustenance. So we get to this time. We're at the end of the year. We might have had disease activity. We might have weed infestation. We might have just had heat stress and some plants go out. But when it comes to all these cool season grasses, you know, September is really the time to seed, uh, particularly in this region. So when we think about what a high quality turf is, that's more of the number of plants. It, it really gets into to density. And that's what I look at when I rate all of my NTEP trials. It's really about density and how much turf we have there. So all the weeds are spreading seeds. Why don't we do it? And I think that we tend to lose that mantra, particularly, I will say, homeowners and lawns. They think that, it, you know, it's just mm -hmm. this everlasting resource that we're going to have plants. Meanwhile, they're trading plants out all over the place, uh, willy-nilly all over the, the landscape. 
So if we can go out and overseed and rebuild density, you know, particularly later on in the, in the season, perhaps rather than chasing everything when we get into late August and particularly early September, why don't we get ahead of things and, and start seeding and, and rebuilding that density? That's where the quadruple S kind of comes in. I couldn't agree more, but I would be remiss uh, if I didn't ask about concern you have with getting seed down now when the conditions might might be still conducive for things, pathological things that, you know, you have to water it. If you're doing some seeding, are you creating some more brown patch problems? How do you navigate throwing seed and the kind of environment it can create to make the seed successful? Well, I mean, that is uh, obviously a balancing act where, you know, you are going to have to water some more. You are going to create that environment. So there is some fungicide protection that might need to go down, but really that should be a scouting thing. So you can kind of get on top of that and and make sure that you're scouting and, and knowing what's going on and particularly along with the weather conditions. So if you know, like we are, thank goodness in the next week that we're going to get down into the lower 80s and into this, the lower 60s at night, then you're going to have that natural fungicide that's going to kind of prevent um, some of these huge outbreaks. And, and that's why September is so important. Now, with the way the climate's going, you know, last year, September turned into July and August was September. So we'll see kind of how that goes. And I think keeping a, an eye on what the weather's doing and making sure that you're really scouting well, I think that's going to be the important portion of that. Thanks very much, Lee. It's always a joy chatting with you, and I wish you nothing but the best for the semester. And is everybody returning to campus there? What's going on at uh, Mizzou? Yeah, that happened on Monday. Uh, so so just yesterday, we've got uh, the students back on campus. So the 35,000 or so are, are running around. So we need them back on campus. I'm excited to see how many TERP students we're going to have. Obviously, we don't have as many as some of the bigger schools, but I'm excited to see where we are with that, and, and hopefully we can keep hanging on. And, and I will say I do want to put in a plug for the virtual conferences. I'll be speaking at the Carolinas conference, bringing the conference to you. I'm really excited about that, kind of a nationwide virtual conference for us turfies, and I'll be talking about that. I'll be talking about soilborne diseases because they're so darn easy to control, right, Frank? <laughs> making a career out of that nowadays, whether it's moving the fungicide down or getting guys to understand modes of action and application technology. And I couldn't, I, you know, big shout out to the Carolina folks and Tim Krieger for uh, getting this going. And, and I think everybody's excited for uh, adapting to the way the world is moving forward. Listen, Lee, as everybody comes back there, you be safe, uh, wear your mask. <laughs> Absolutely. Soon, pal. All right. You too, Frank. Take care, buddy. Thank you. See you, man. Professor Lee Miller is an associate professor in the plant sciences and director of the IPM program at the University of Missouri. He studies turf grass diseases and, as you heard, runs a mom-and-pop diagnostic operation, publishes one of the great growing season newsletters, as well as progressive turf grass disease management research. The Turf Grass Hotline is brought to you by our friends at Dryject, the only machine that aerates, top dresses, and amends in one pass, Intelligrow, makers of Civitas, a fungicide that's so much more, and the Plant Food Company, developing professional nutrient management programs for the golf turf industry since 1946. The Turfgrass Hotline is recorded and produced at Rep Studios in downtown Ithaca, New York by Nate Richardson. Big thanks to marketing and business management John Kiger, executive producer Peter McCormick. I'm Frank Rossi. Thank you for joining me.